And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hodnell. This is the Ken Hodnell Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Can't wait to the old west and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's April 28th, 118th day of the year. 247 days remain to the year's over with. You know, this is also the anniversary of Billy the Kid escaping from the Lincoln County Jail. And uh, Azerbaijan was also added to the Soviet Union on this date. Now, it's National Arbor Day, National Superhero Day, Biological Clock Day, Clean Comedy Day, Donate Life Blue and Green Day, Global Pay It Forward Day, Great Poetry Reading Day, Hung King's Festival, Kiss Your Mate Day, National Blueberry Pie Day, National Bravehearts Day. These uh, honors the strength and bravery of people affected by pediatric cancer. National Cubicle Day, National Franklin Day, National Hairball Awareness Day, Occupational Safety and Health Day, Save the Frogs Day, Undiagnosed Children's Awareness Day. So if you don't know you're pregnant, I guess that's an undiagnosed child. Workers Memorial Day, uh, World Day for Safety and Health at Work, and World Women's Wellness Day. All righty. <clears throat> In 2024, the Battle of Hormoz has been is fought. Ardashir I defeats and kills Artabanus V, effectively ending the Parthian Empire. 357, Emperor Constantinus II enters Rome for the first time, celebrate his victory over Magnus Magnentius. Okay, <clears throat> in 1192, assassination of Conrad of Montserrat. Montferrat, I can't talk. He's actually known as Conrad I, king of Jerusalem. Happened in Tyr two days after his title to the throne is confirmed by election. Uh, the killing was carried out by Assassin, a member of the uh, Order of the Assassins. Keep in mind that uh, the first um, attempt by... Uh, Christians to take back the Holy Land. You know, the crusade, the first crusade was successful. Jerusalem was captured and it became a kingdom in its own right with a uh, member of the French court being king of Jerusalem. In 1253, Nishiran, a Japanese Buddhist monk, propounds a Namu for the first time and declares it the essence of Buddhism. In effect, he founded the Nishiran Buddhism sect. 1294, Timurg, grandson of Kublai, is elected Kagan of the Mongols with the reigning title uh, Ojetiu. 1503, the Battle of Serignola's fault, noted as one of the first European battles in history won by small arms fire using gunpowder. In 1911, the establishment of the Pontifical and Royal University of Santo Tomas, Catholic University of the Philippines, the largest Catholic university in the world. 1625, a combined Spanish and Portuguese fleet of 52 ships commences the recapture of Bahia from the Dutch during the Dutch-Portuguese War. 1758, the Marathas defeat the Afghans in the Battle of Adak and capture the city. 1788, Maryland becomes the seventh state to ratify the Constitution. 1789, Mutiny on the Bounty. Lieutenant William Bly, an 18 sailor, set adrift, and the rebel crew returns to Tahiti briefly and then sets sail for Pitcairn Island. Apparently, Bly was uh, a sandwich short of a picnic, and he abused the crew. 1792, France invades the Austrian Netherlands. That's the present-day um, Belgium and Luxembourg and begins the French Revolutionary Wars. Been to Luxembourg, nice place. 1794, 
The Sardinians, headed by Giovanni Maria Angioi, start a revolution against the Savoy domination, expelling Viceroy Balbiano and his officials from Cagliari, the capital and the largest city on the island. 1796, the armistice of Sarasco was signed by Napoleon and Vittorio Amedio III, King of Sardinia, expanding French territory along the Mediterranean coast. 1869, Chinese and Irish laborers for the Central Pacific Railroad working for the first transcontinental railroad laid 10 miles of track in one day. That was a feat that has never been matched. Since it was done by hand, it was quite uh, an achievement. On this day in 1881, as I said, Billy the Kid escapes from Lincoln County Jail in Mesilla, New Mexico. You know, a lot of what was said about Billy wasn't true. In fact, uh, his death by Pat Garrett, um, evidence points to the fact that Garrett actually helped him escape. He died in Silver City back in the uh, 1930s or 40s. 1887, a week after being arrested by the Prussian secret police, French police inspector Guillaume Schnabelle is released and on the order of William I, the German emperor, defused a possible war. 1910, Frenchman Louis Pohan wins the 1910 London to Manchester Air Race, first long-distance airplane race in the U.K. 1920, the Azerbaijan Soviet Socialist Republic is founded. Say that ten times real fast. 1923, Wembley Stadium is open, and named initially as the Empire Stadium. 1930, Independence Producers hosted the first night game in the uh, history of the organized baseball in Independence, Kansas. 1941, the Ustase Massacre. Nearly 200 Serbs were built. Goldovac, the first massacre of their genocidal campaign against uh, Serbs of the independent state of Croatia. 1944, World War II, nine German E-boats attacked U.S. and U.K. units during Exercise Tiger. That was a rehearsal for the Normandy landing. 946 uh, people were killed. 1945, Benito Mussolini and his mistress, Clara Petosha, shot dead by Walter Odissio, a member of the Italian resistance movement. He and his mistress were captured in a convoy. He was recognized by the boots he was wearing, which were not uh, the typical boots of uh, German soldiers. He was dressed as a German private. 1945, the Holocaust, Nazi Germany carries out its final use of gas chambers to execute 33 upper Austrian socialist and communist leaders in a thousand uh, concentration camp. 1947, Thor Heyerdahl and five crewmates set out from Peru on the Contiki to demonstrate that Peruvian natives could have settled to Polynesia. 1948, Igor Stravinsky conducted the premiere of the, his American Ballet Orpheus at the New York City Center. 1949, Mike Belda are accused of assassinating former First Lady of the Philippines, Aurora Quezon, while she's en route to dedicate a hospital in memory of her late husband. Her daughter and ten other folks were also killed at the same time. 1952, Eisenhower resigns as Supreme Allied Commander NATO in order to campaign in the 1952 U.S. presidential election. Also on that same date in 52, the Treaty of San Francisco comes into effect, restoring Japanese sovereignty and ending its state of war with most of the allies of World War II. Also on the date in 1952, the Sino-Japanese Peace Treaty also known as the Treaty of Taipei, is signed in Taipei, Taiwan, between Japan and the Republic of China to officially end the Second Sino-Japanese War. 1965, U.S. occupation of the Dominican Republic. American troops land in the Dominican Republic to forestall the establishment of a communist dictatorship and to evacuate U.S. Army troops who were somewhat marooned there. 1967, Vietnam War. Muhammad Ali refuses his induction into the U.S. Army, subsequently stripped of his championship and license to box. 1969, Charles de Gaulle resigns as president of France. 1970, President Nixon formally authorizes uh, American combat troops to take part in a 
Cambodian campaign. 1973, The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, recorded in Abbey Road Studios, goes to number one on the U.S. Billboard chart. Begins a record-breaking 741-week chart run. Nineteen seventy-five. General Kao Van Vian, chief of the South Vietnamese military, departs for the U.S. as the North Vietnamese Army closes in on victory. Now it was a war lost by Congress. Nineteen seventy-seven. The Red Army faction trial ends with Andreas Bader, Gudrun Insulin, and John Carl Rospe found guilty of four counts of murder and more than thirty counts of attempted murder. 1978, the president of Afghanistan, Mohammed Daoud Khan, is overthrown in an assassinated in a coup led by pro-communist rebels. 1986, high levels of radiation resulting from the Chernobyl disaster are detected at a nuclear power plant in Sweden, leading Soviet authorities to publicly announce the accident. 1988, near Maui, Hawaii, flight attendant Clarabelle C.B. Lansing is blown out of an Aloha Airlines Flight 243. That's Boeing 737 and falls to her death when part of the plane's fuselage drips open in mid-flight. 1994, former CIA counterintelligence officer analyst Aldrich Ames pleads guilty to giving U.S. secrets to the Soviet Union and then later to Russia. 1996, Whitewater controversy. President Bill, trust me, Clinton gives a four-and-a-half-hour videotaped testimony for the defense. Interestingly enough, both he and Hillary are my cousins. 1996, Port Arthur Massacre, Tasmania. A gunman named Martin Bryant opens fire at the Broad Arrow Cafe in Port Arthur, Tasmania. Kills 35 and wounds 23 others. 2004, CBS News released evidence of the Abu Ghraib torture and prisoner abuse. Photographs show rape and abuse from the American troops over the Iraqi detainees. Well... We've been talking about um, the um, German UFOs. It's interesting to note that the idea uh, for the, um, the very concept came from the 1936 Olympics. Um, everyone who was anyone in the German hierarchy was expected to be there. And several scientists sat um, somewhat um, off in a world of their own watching the discus. And as you might um, guess, the the discus uh, competition, which um, calls for a number of people to throw this heavy rubber thing as far as they can, um, they're round flat plates, very similar to the UFOs that have been reported by a lot of people. And watching the discus throwers are some of the best scientific minds in Germany. Top aerodynamic designers and engineers such as Hebermall and Shriver and Miathi and the Italian scientist Bolonzo. And they noted the remarkable flight characteristics of the disc in motion. It performed much like a gyroscope, balancing and steadying itself in flight. And they thought if they could take those characteristics and put them into an actual aircraft... It would um, be unique, certainly. But from these observations in 1936, a lot of um, German scientists say that's where the concept of the flying disc was developed. Now, this aerodynamic concept enables these engineers to construct and develop and actually fly several types of flying discs before 1945, the war's end. In 1936, the motive power that could propel a, disc, a circular flying machine was already known to men of science. 
They knew that jet engines burning the right combination of jet fuel and air could easily lift and supply thrust for even larger flying disks. Propulsion by jet and rocket engines was already well known by uh, the Germans. And they watched and learned to fly from the early tests made by Robert Goddard, an uh, American scientist who was a, a pioneer in the field of experimental rocketry. And in 1919, he published a paper entitled A Method of Reaching Extreme Altitudes. And he laid out there the concept that the Germans later uh, appropriated and used. In 1923, a mathematics professor in Germany named Hermann Oberth wrote a work about reaction rockets. He called it a rocket in an interplanetary space. That book was published in Munich in 1923. That year, though the rockets were still using solid fuel, so they really weren't all that efficient. Three years later, when Dr. Goddard demonstrated that a more efficient type of fuel, liquid fuel, could uh, successfully propel rockets, the Germans immediately switched what they were doing to work on these new type of liquid fuel rockets. As a result, in, on March 14, 1931, Germany fired its first successful liquid fuel rocket. This was almost 10 years before uh, World War II really kicked off. Now, by now, the possibilities of liquid fuel rockets had caught the attention of the military leaders in Germany. And they saw that this improved fuel made it feasible for them to produce long-range rockets that could be ideal for use in warfare. And uh, one of these military leaders was General Walter Dornberger, who at the time all this was being done was actually a captain. And from the beginning, he was a champion for the liquid fuel rocket missile. 1932 succeeded in selling the idea to the German government sufficiently to enable the military to experiment with liquid fuel rockets as long-range guided missiles. By 1936, Dornberger's efforts paid off in an impressive way. Germany decided in favor of rocket, uh, liquid fuel rocket missiles and was willing to spend big. $40 million, which was an unbelievable sum of money at that point in time, were allocated to develop the new missiles at Pinamunda Island. That was the German experimental rocket base uh, situated on the Baltic coast northeast of Berlin. And thousands of uh, Germany's top scientists and technical men were employed in this immense Pinamunda project, as it was called. Among the names that were there were Werner von Braun, who went to, later to head NASA here in this country, uh, after his file was doctored to show he wasn't a Nazi. Colonel Jansen, Dr. Thiel, Dr. Steinhoff, Rudolf Herrmann, Dr. Gerwig, Dr. Gratman, Lipschitz, all the big names in, in rocketry uh, that the Germans could beg, borrow, steal were working on this project. The main object was to design, invent, and develop super rockets that could be used as long-range guided missiles. Adding his support to this team of technicians, of course, was Walter Dornberger, um, Werner von Braun, was chief engineer at the rocket uh, center. Now, their first promising rocket was known as the V-1. This was the, the terror weapon that was so effective at, uh, in pounding uh, London into rubble. It was the first operational guided missile with a real range to it, 190 miles. Of course, the speed wasn't that great. It was only 350 miles an hour so it could be easily detected by radar and was vulnerable to aircraft guns and fighter planes. And the V-1, though it was a very powerful rocket, had a drawback. Its jet engine was designed to breathe air, which meant air-breathing engines are confined to travel within the Earth's atmosphere. Well, of course, Dornberger, who had an eye on space, wasn't at all satisfied. He envisioned rockets capable of travel in airless space with reaction engines capable of doing turned over the V-1 to the Air Ministry so he could move on to bigger and better things. And now he concentrated all the resources of Pinamunda on the developing and perfecting of a supersonic giant rocket that was called the V-2. 
Well, to give you an idea of the size of this project, more than 5,000 technicians worked on the, the details connected with this rocket. Design changes and, of course, the manufacture of the V-2 reached a staggering total of 60,000. And the step from V-1 to V-2 was unbelievable. The mammoth rocket was 46 feet 11 inches high, 5 feet 5 inches in diameter. Its thrust was measured not in pounds, which was the standard up to that point, but in tons. The maximum range of flight was about 200 miles. Maximum velocity was 3,300 miles per hour. It weighed 14 tons. Well, in 1941, mass production of the V-2 began. And it was the most fearsome weapon actually hurled against the Allies. Carried 1,650 pounds of high explosive in its warhead, which explains all the tremendous damage done to uh, targets. It could utterly demolish on impact physical structures of unbelievable size. There simply was no defense against the V-2, and no way at that time of stopping it, but uh, even Dornberger himself realized the weapon by itself couldn't win the war. But having uh, achieved great strides, Dornberger didn't stop. Whenever a particular design looked promising, a prototype of it was developed for research purposes. And most of these experimental designs were roger, larger rockets or multi-stage rockets, some of which had short wings and even human pilots. But the most interesting idea the Germans came up on was a design known as the V-7. It was a saucer-shaped aircraft, or more accurately, a guided missile, because it could be guided by radar from the ground, and non-crew models of this design could be utilized as weapons, much like the other V-weapons. But it could also hover, which no other V-type missile could do. And this feature, plus its unusual speed and ability to maneuver, made it an ideal machine for surveillance work during wartime. And the larger saucer, uh, like V-7, could be adapted to carry a crew of men. Now, taking the V-7 design, uh, German engineers constructed small models of it as early as 1941. And tests of these models verified the feasibility of the flying disc concept. Well, competing with the round-shaped V-7 insofar as German finances and manpower is concerned was the other series of V-weapons already in production, with the V-2 being first and foremost, and was already being mass-produced in 1941. However, in 1942, authorization was given for construction of an experimental prototype of the V-7, and this was the flying disc craft. And during the war, the Nazis under Hitler authorized and carried out a lot of secret military projects. And some of this work was started at Pinamunda and then farmed out by designers to factories and research centers and um, other locations, or even hidden in underground installations. To give an example, vital parts of the V-2 were manufactured secretly at the largest underground factory in the world at Nordhausen. And these key factories below ground were not dug, but they were carved out by use of a machine that the Germans developed for that very purpose. Well, it was decided to build the prototypes of the flying disc outside the Berlin area. In certain underground factories, they'd be less vulnerable to attack. Heading up this top-secret project was Dr. Richard Mytha. Well, construct the V-2. According to Major Rudolf Lussar, wartime head of the Technical Arms Department of the German War Ministry, and the V-7 disc constructed by Dr. Matha was 138 feet in diameter. Schriever and Habermal did a similar one that was only 49 feet across. And these large machines were fully capable of carrying men. Now, interestingly enough, our government knew 
to a certain extent, exactly what was going on. And elected to cover it up. Even the Condon report that poo-pooed the whole idea of UFOs. Um, didn't address the circular flying machines even though they were given uh, all the information they needed about it. Now, after the war, the leading scientists on these projects vanished. Some went to South America, the Russians took some, we took some. And quite often they took with them plans and models that are greatest inventions to include the flying disc. Now, the Nazis were in full swing in Argentina up until 1952. Um, they literally moved ahead with plans for a Fourth Reich. And they were developing the saucers that were developed and flown in 1945 using, uh, but until 40, 52, they used jet power, not the later electromagnetic power. Work on an electromagnetic powered saucer was done in the German laboratories in Argentina. And they began to fly these craft as early as 1952. And the, these German saucers were not affected by uh, the atmospheric uh, conditions. Uh, even storms didn't face them. Now, the only thing that kept them from continuing the war was the fact they couldn't mass produce them. Only a few experimental, experimental craft were built. Their center of operations was what became known as the Antarctic Oasis. Now, German scientists are working in, uh, on secret anti-gravity projects uh, as early as uh, the 40s in the Black Forest, as uh, many folks have said, and it's not beyond the bounds of reason to think they might have found it. And frankly, the Germans actually created... Uh, the atomic bomb before we did. The only thing that kept them from, in fact, they, in 43, they're said to have used one against the Russians. Now, German scientists today can't go as far as they'd like to in experiments and research because German secret agents, excuse me, Russian secret agents are right on top of them. And during the World War II, the situation wasn't much different, and it got worse toward the end of the war. In fact, many Germans by '44 saw that uh, they were going to lose, and they left the country. And some of the Allied intelligence agents thought German scientists escaped to nearby Spain, and they connected the Nazis with DISC. For example, as uh, early as 1949, issue of the Washington Daily News, there was a story on May 14th, Said some Air Force men think they know what these flying discs are and where they came from. Further in the story, it said they believe these discs are a new type of flying machines utilizing gy uh, gyroscopic principle, and they come from Spain. And they say that Nazi scientists, known to have been working on uh, gyroscopic flight during the war, dropped from sight after a battle with Hitler. Intelligence reports have they escaped to Spain. Captured documents indicate Germans have gone further than any with the use of gyroscopic principles of flight. And Air Force people are convinced flying discs are real. They say it's not produced in this country. They feel sure it's not produced in Russia. And the clincher came when Air Force uh, pilots got pictures recently of three flying discs flying in formation over Stevensville, Newfoundland. Now, they weren't close-up photos because they outdistance our fastest aircraft, but close enough to let them know what they were photographing. And it is true that Franco of Spain did sponsor some German scientists during the war era. 
But it isn't too likely that these flying discs were put together in Spain, although they might well have unofficial bases for German discs in that country. According to Allied intelligence agencies, um, in 1947, secret laboratories have been located near Marbella on the south coast of Spain, just east of Gibraltar. And ultra-secret weapons have been tested and perfected there by professors Mueller and Knoll. These secret devices are mainly rockets that were designed to carry devastating nuclear energy warheads. Now, the simple truth is Spain can be and was ransacked by spies from a number of countries very easily. In reality, Spain was only a brief stopping-off place for thousands of Germans, including the scientists who eluded capture and who were then uh, escaping out of Europe to Argentina and South America. And they were leaving for Argentina as early as 44. The escape route was through Spain and from there by boat to Argentina, or in many cases to South Africa. Now, these facts were pointed out in 1951 and 52 by the editors of the National Police Gazette, who in those years had gathered a mountain of official evidence to the effect that uh, Hitler, with some of his close aides, was hiding in Argentina. There was a series of articles under the heading Hitler's Alive that was published by the magazine in 52, and the series has continued even up to uh, into the 60s. And one of the most important issues of the National Police Gazette placed emphasis on the idea that Hitler also had hideouts in Bogota, Colombia. Five of the men known to have been with him between 45 and 46 were said to be in possession of plans, blueprints, and designs for some of the secret weapons, which they wouldn't let out of their sight for a second. And he had some truly bizarre weapons that he created. It might give us insight into the flying disc question. Well, Professor Willie Messerschmidt made this statement that 200 initial Messerschmitt jets would have stopped the Allied invasion of Normandy in World War II. Uh, at least that's what um, military officers from the, our army told him after the war. He was 70 years old when he gave that particular interview. And it would have been another example of fortune's kindness to Samantha Smith, whose airplane spearheaded the Holocaust, unleashed by Adolf Hitler in, in Europe. He was the son of a wealthy Frankfurt wine merchant, only shown a natural ability to evade unpleasantness, whether uh, bothersome sunshine or the adversities of a lost war. He was imprisoned for 13 months by the Allies after the war, and when he was free, he put his workers to making pots out of hand grenades and the like because the Germans were forbidden to design and produce aircraft but he still kept his operation going. In 1955, he went back in the aircraft business, operating under the restriction to manufacture only under foreign license. That same year, his firm merged with the Bolkow Company to form Germany's largest aircraft concern with 12,000 employees. He owns a, a third of that particular operation. In 1951, he moved to Spain and lived there most of the, the year. He acquired an interest in the Hispaniola Aviation Company in Spain, designed the HA-200 twin jet advanced trainer for it. Well, he, if you look at his history, he doesn't really know how he got his interest in aviation. Could have been as early as 1908 when he saw one of Graf Ferdinand von Zeppelin's um, giant dirigibles soar across Lake Constance. He did build... Uh, model airplanes in his childhood days. At the age of 15, piloted the first glider he helped to construct. Graduated in engineering from Munich University in 22, and that same year founded the Messerschmitt Aircraft Construction Company. He had 10 employees. Firm built gliders in those Versailles, Versailles uh, Treaty days. He fitted a glider model with a 30-horsepower uh, motor and entered the powered aircraft business, uh, business building 25 six-seater all-metal planes for German airlines. 
He acquired the Bavarian Airplane Company in 27 and put his 300 workers to building a, a new design that he called the ME-108. This was the forerunner of the, the plane that uh, was the worst scourge for World War II Allied bombers. He had sold 200 of the Excuse me, 2,000 of the sports planes when Hitler came to power in 33. Entered a government-sponsored contest for a modern fighter plane and built the ME-109, a fighter bomber that proved its superiority in the Spanish Civil War. And then continued as Germany's front-line fighter plane until the end of the World War II. An ME-109 is followed by the twin-engine ME-110, but his most famous aircraft was ME-262, world's first operational jet fighter. German government decisions held back the use of the plane to late in the war when it established a, a 40 to 1 kill ratio in combat. If they had immediately put it into operation, the war might have ended much differently. Now, now there was a German scientist named Hermann Kloss. who built, um, was involved in the building of the uh, flying disc. The use and reuse of the power and exhaust gases is, was uh, developed by Klaus, plus an important action called the counter-revolution movement, which the disc used. Eventually, the powers that be... Uh, were expected to give in to pressure and give out the truth concerning the flying disc. Now, the wildest developments the German scientists made dealt with ultra and infrared sound waves. In fact, uh, in their experiments, they actually killed some of their own people. The magazine Science Mechanics said that uh, even France had a had a sound wave secret weapon. And Klaus uh, said that sound waves are most dangerous, more dangerous than other waves. They have a tendency not to diminish, such as radar waves do, and are more powerful than laser beams. Now, interestingly enough, you have to ask yourself how secret this French sound weapon was if the German scientists developed it and the U.S. Army has uh, got it after the war. Um, according to Major Lussar, the value of all former German wartime inventions uh, put together and converted into a financial value came to 125 billion Deutschmarks. And that was in the 60s. There's still numerous inven uh, inventions and plans in existence, but they haven't yet been put into operation. And at the end of the war, a lot of them fell into the hands of the Allied countries. Now, in Madrid... In 1944, a neutral military expert uh, reported that Nazi engineers told him Adolf Hitler had at least three secret weapons, including a flaming artificial cloud. And they said this cloud was capable of the most terrible destruction, as um, if they could put it into operation, Germany would win the war within six months. There was also a super-robot bomb and what was called a sensational shell. And it had already been tested in the East, which meant they were used against Russia. Now, the artificial cloud was a puzzle until it was explained that the smoke emitted by a plane forms a cloud which, due to special gases, sinks to Earth. Another plane then fires incendiary bullets into the cloud, causing it to ignite and turn into a tremendous ball of fire as it drops to the ground. Which... Um, could devastate a battlefield, certainly. An even more powerful flying bomb was said to be another the Nazi secret weapons, supposedly capable of carrying 20 tons of a new explosive described as the most powerful yet developed, 
The rocket bomb was said to be similar to those now in use except it sheds its wings in flight. It was claimed this new bomb could be launched from the land, the sea, or air and didn't require any special launching platform. And when it exploded, it destroyed everything within a five-mile radius. And the third secret weapon was said to be a special shell capable of piercing the thickest armor. Now, other weapons developed under the Nazis was the, the KM-2, or electromagnetic rocket, developed by Professors Nall and Mueller in Spain. Had a flight range of 16,000 kilometers, which is about 10,000 miles. And it was remote controlled. After 3,000 miles of control guidance, the bomb traveled the rest of the distance free of control from the ground. And as soon as it drew near any electrical vibrations or metal parts, as in an aircraft, the KM-2 would magnetically lock onto it as a target. And as soon as it impacted with, with whatever it was chasing, it would explode. Okay, then there was the projector with the built-in atomic bomb warhead. And they had a number of other weapons they were working on at the end, such as death rays. Uh, Professor Heinz Erhard worked on the electronic ball lightning experiments. Also experimented with death rays. According to a newspaper item about him, published in 64 by National Star Chronicle, he'd invented a ray system that was not a laser type, and it was expected to be useful in mankind's war against cancer. He claimed his ray would destroy cells in the human body and wants to use it on cancer cells. He said this ray will operate powerfully even at extreme distances. And he was certain it would knock down any of the man-made orbiting satellites if it was pointed in their direction and the power was turned on. And then, of course, the infamous flying disc. The, uh, you know, anyone who follows in these um, stories about these secret flying machines or keeps up with worldwide reports of sightings and landings and what have you will notice that in some instances the craft are armed with paralyzing ray guns and other devices most of which were known to Germans during the war. Now, there's no such thing as the ultimate weapon. But they have some weapons that certainly um, carried an unbelievable uh, power. To show you how advanced they were, they had working TV in the 20s. And they were moving into color TV, but the the radio interest uh, basically controlled everything. Now, interestingly enough, even in the 40s and 50s, the idea of... Um, keeping the population in ignorance about these things um, seemed to be standard procedure across the world. Now, according to information that came out of Germany, um, research on flying disc and flying plates has been made since the 1940. In fact, in 1941, there was a model built that was 2.4 meters diameter, and it flew very successfully. Well, the four scientists who constructed the, the prototypes were members of the Nazi party. You couldn't really achieve anything if you weren't. And they even held honor positions because of their genuine technical know-how. And most of these, and Werner von Braun is an example, finished out with uh, U.S. companies. Habermal uh, is supposed to have been um, one of those that went to German, uh, to Russia and went into a very high position there. 
There's a Russian research project for manufacturing task entities flying disc. Supposedly it's in North Siberia. And it's an area where you're not going to find a lot of strangers. And of course, it's a good hiding place for subterranean uh, research buildings. It's also good for test flights. And the Russians are certainly quite advanced in their production. And uh, some former German scientists are doing research and building in the Andes. And they also did in Egypt. India and Red China. Now in Red China are thousands of former SS people. Um, in 1945, France put a lot of them into their French Foreign Legion. I mean, they were born and bred to be soldiers, so the French made use of them. In fact, according to the story, they had actually beaten the Viet Minh until Ho Chi Minh went to the news media and pointed out that the French were using uh, SS killers to kill innocent uh, Vietnamese. In 1955, a lot of them were taken to China's, quote, instructors, unquote, And when the uh, French effort fell apart in Vietnam, they couldn't bring these folks back to France. And a lot of them had started new lives in uh, Vietnam. So they wound up uh, being taken under the wing of uh, Red China. They were known as Buta Germanen, loot Germans, Germans that they captured. Now, in 1944-45, the flying disc had attained speeds and climbing skills that uh, are even today unmatched. The secret flying machines uh, or the most advanced flying machines, that is, have to be built to the disc. Even the ancient Greeks discovered his flight form is the most ideal and self-stabilizing one. It can surpass Mach 7 and is capable of space travel. And um, you know, the fact that now and then some UFOs fly over inhabited areas with their mysterious maneuvers are basically said to be decoys. They want to test the reactions of the other side. Well, the bulk of the UFOs that we see or get reported today, according to the material that's furnished me, are Earth-built. But that's not to say that there shouldn't be other intelligent beings in the universe, some far beyond what we've been able to achieve. And if these beings have attained super light speeds, or at least light speed, which we'd need absolutely in interstellar travel, um, it goes without saying they're also uh, not only in command over gravity, but also schooled wise and radio frequency fields of all sorts. Now, in 1922, there was a group of radio men who maintained they didn't know anything about the matter when music was sent into city radios. In fact, uh, 1922 saw the issuance of the first license for radio activity. And... There's no doubt that all secret services of the world know perfectly well and when a UFO flies in any location.
Now, there's been a lot of argument about the UFOs that Kenneth Arnold saw in 1947. He saw a nine disc with the Cascade Mountain Range in western Washington. And the best information we can get, those were not uh, discs that came from Germany. After 1945, scientists, technicians became duty-bound uh, a contract all over the world. And those who were in the Nazi party, or had been, and were hated by literally everybody today, simply vanished, especially since those uh, the persecution processes via the courts had been in progress. And not only these trials against criminals, but also against decent, honorable men who... first and foremost just wanted to do their jobs now whatever may have been the outcome of the war they're patriots on both sides um, and keep in mind that um We'll never know the uh, full story of what happened and why people did as they, they did. We do know a lot of lies were told at the end of the war. Uh, when Truman said no member of the Iron Guard could come here or Nazis couldn't come, our intelligence officials, for the best of reasons, of course, simply doctored the files, removed those... Uh, those certifications, and then brought them in, and that was okay, because it was for a good cause, don't you know? Well, keep in mind also that we have research and going research going on right now that would absolutely boggle the mind. Project Horizon, which went in. Uh, the Army was working on back in the 50s was to build space colonies. And every year we have 100,000 plus vanish in this country alone. Where did they go? I have had people tell me in all sincerity that they're kidnapped and taken to colonies on other planets. Um... What's the truth? We'll probably never know. Well, on that note, we could end today's show. We'll be back on Monday and talk more about super secret weapons. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.